will you hold fast in unideal circumstances? When you think heaven is not listening, when you wonder if your prayers go any higher than your ceiling, can you hold fast? When the people you're surrounded by are scorning you, are excluding you, can you hold fast? When the church fails to be the church that Jesus founded, can you hold fast? And so I actually think this is this story is of great utility for you and I now. This is Four People with Bishop Rob Wright. Welcome to Four People with Bishop Rob Wright. I'm your host, Melissa Rao, and this is a conversation inspired by Four Faith, a weekly devotion sent out every Friday. You can find a link to this week's Four Faith and a link to subscribe in the episode's description. Good morning, Bishop. Morning. You titled this week's devotion, Unideal, and it's based off the story in Matthew chapter 15, verses 21 to 28, um, off of the Canaanite woman who who you say in your words was scorned by Jesus and the disciples, um, a, a woman of great faith. Um, and, and so I'm wondering if you can just unpack it a little bit about what about this specifically really spoke to you today? Um, I think what, what speaks to me is, is, is that sometimes, you know, we've got to have a persevering kind of faith. I mean, you know, I think sometimes uh, some of us uh, get put off when circumstances are not ideal uh, to believe and to and to hold fast and to, uh, and to pray and all that sort of stuff. And so, I think what this woman teaches us in this wonderful story is is that she's sort of the personification of the balance between what you know what I call a faith agency, right? I mean, she's she's got a belief. You know, some people call it maybe an intellectual belief, emotional belief, a spiritual belief in the in the in the reality of God and in God's ability to intervene in in real world situations. Uh, and at the same time, she's not sitting on her on her you know sort of uh, back deck waiting for God to do something, right? That that faith is propelling her into action. And and I think uh, our our life with God is always about finding that balance. You know. What part of this is God's and what part of this is mine? I think that's, that's the, so she, she personifies what I would call a mature faith. And a mature faith is not sort of waiting, waiting around for a cosmic Santa Claus to, to grant her every whim and wish, uh, but saying, okay, God, here you are, uh, ruler of the universe, and here I am, made in your image, endowed with gift, endowed with faith, et cetera. How can we work together? Uh, to bring an outcome uh, around. It's not about me alone. It's not about you alone. It is uh, it is co-creation. I, I think that uh, exemplifies a wonderful spiritual maturity, and that's what she does. And, and she is not, I mean, she is not from the right tribe, right? I mean, in this story, she is not a Jew. Uh, she is a Canaanite. Um, there was a long time sort of ethnic beef between the two groups. Uh, they were uh, ethnically cousins, but uh, believed each one were wrongheaded about the way that they believed and how they practiced their faith. She was not from the right zip code. Um, she was not from the right, uh, she didn't go to the right schools, we might say. And yet here she is uh, with this uh, extraordinary portion of faith and action. Her cause was righteous. 
right? And so there's an, there's an opportunity for us to think a moment is, is that is our asking, is our cause righteous? Her cause was she wanted healing for her child. And my God, we ought to pause and say, look at the lengths that mothers have gone to uh, over the millennia uh, to secure a better life, more health, opportunity, safety, security for their children. And so this woman, you know, so this woman is, is one more in that extraordinary parade. She used what she had. She used her voice. She used persistence. And somehow she had an abiding and audacious sense that God was merciful. And it, and it, it bears saying, what is mercy? Mercy is a specific application of power, right? So God is all powerful, but God uses that powerful to hear from and respond to the brokenhearted, the lost, the least, the left behind. So she believes somehow she got the message. She paid attention in Canaanite Bible school that day, that Sunday morning, <laughs> that, that in, if she heard anything, she heard that God was merciful and that God was responsive. Uh, and, and she made her case and the disciples were too busy. Uh, you know, they, 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 she was, she didn't have the right pedigree. Uh, she didn't meet the criteria and they sort of tried to sort of push her away, shoo her away. Right. Uh, as I say, you know, we would call that resilient. And so the question of course, for all of us is, is that, yeah, we might have faith, but do you have resilient faith? Mm. I like the, the the phrase faith agency yeah. that you use in here. You know, I, I have to say this particular passage has always been a little bit difficult for me because I didn't like the fact that at face value, yeah, Jesus is kind of a jerk. Yeah. And right. I don't I don't actually know that that's true because I've done a little bit of research and homework on it in order to prepare for this conversation, Bishop. <laughs> Um, but I, I was like, you know, it's the disciples are annoyed by her because she's yelling after Jesus, like, hey, pay attention to me. Jesus has stepped out of Galilee into Tyre, you know, gone into Tyre and Sidon, which is, it's not the land of the Israelites. So there's a, conf it's conflicted for me. Yeah. Because in this, he's saying, well, who would take food from the children and give it to the pets, the dogs? To the dogs, Yeah. Which is is a, the juxtaposition between the, the the children of Israel, which I think Jesus was saying, well, they're my priority. Right. That's right. But I don't know. Was he being facetious? Was he preaching at the disciples? Was he <laughs> saying something out loud? This is these are the these are the wonderings that I have about. You know, this. when you when you when you when you've been doing this a while, you know, it's it's funny to 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 see you know younger preachers uh, wrestle with this because they feel like they always have to protect Jesus from his own words, right? They have it's like you know, oh, he didn't really mean dogs. He met he, he met you know he met uh, you know affectionate lap dogs or puppies or pets or no, he said what he said, right? And so uh, what I love about this text is is that let's not protect Jesus, and, and let's see uh, what he actually says because he says that. He's a, he admires her faith. He realizes perhaps that maybe he wasn't adequately caffeinated that day. Maybe he was a little bit grumpy, didn't get enough sleep. But he said what he said. He said that, and so maybe Jesus is a learning Jesus. You know, if you if you talk to some Jewish brothers and sisters, you know, they talk about, and, and they, they chart it out through Old Testament scriptures, 
that God is a learning God, that God, that God is deciding uh, things uh, along, you know, the arc of, of human history, and that God is God's self-learning, right? And so maybe what we're finding out here is Jesus is doing a little learning. Maybe Jesus's mission uh, gets uh, positively enhanced by encountering people who have great faith, but who are outside his own religious tradition. I think that's what the story actually looks like. Uh, and because when it looks like that, then Jesus's comments make sense. If we're, you know, some people say, well, you know, Jesus was just doing a little, you know, sort of tongue in cheek thing for the benefit of other people's learnings. I don't know. I don't know. I fact, I, in fact, I like the fact that Jesus misses the mark in this story. He's not all gentle and kind, but he's a little bit gruff and disrespectful yeah. to the woman. Yeah. I like that because he learns something here. Right. He learned something about maybe he was himself limiting. Right. Who grace should apply to, who mercy should apply to, who healing should apply to. But he learns. And in these unideal circumstances, this woman holds fast. She's the star. Yeah. Let's make her the star of the story because she is the star of the story, not Jesus. Now, Jesus comes along and grants the blessing right? So that's a good thing, right? But this woman's faith holds fast in unideal, unideal circumstances. And I think the message to us is, will you hold fast in unideal circumstances? When you think heaven is not listening, when you wonder if your prayers go any higher than your, than your, you know, than your ceiling, can you hold fast? When the people you're surrounded by are scorning you, are excluding you, can you hold fast? When the church fails to be the church that Jesus founded, can you hold fast? And, and on and on and on and on it goes. And so I actually think this is this story is of great utility for you and I now. Mm. And I imagine it's one of persistence and fortitude. Yes. Right? Like, I, like I guess the, the phrase ask anyway kept coming to me. Yeah. Well, Jesus becomes a better Messiah because of encounter, his encounter with her. Hmm. And, and we just need to say that because that's what the story says. I mean, if we want to get all cute and do yoga moves with this Bible verse, I guess we can do that. But I prefer to take it at face value. Jesus misses the mark initially. His disciples miss the mark initially, right? You know, we sing that wonderful song in church. There's a wideness of God's mercy. But in this story, Jesus and the disciples were limiting that mercy. But because of her resilience, in some way, it pulls mercy out of Jesus. Her faithfulness pulls it out of Jesus. You know, I can tell you as a pastor of a congregation, the guy with the fancy outfit, you know, and with the microphone, I can tell you I have met countless lay people who were sitting in those pews who, because they were who they were, they made me a better preacher, a better priest. I'm telling you. And I was the one who was vested with authority, and yet in them I encountered the real deal, and they made me better. Yeah, you know it's interesting how many many folks will expect the preacher or the even the lay leader, the people who are in leadership, to to have a sense of I don't want to say perfection, but it is. Let's be real: when they mess up or they're out of line. The, the congregation is typically the ones to like throw aspersions first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it's pretty, it's a pretty difficult thing. Um, so I get that for sure. 
So Bishop, unideal, what's that about? Oh, it's, it's just that, I mean, you know, uh, you know, people love to use the image of, you know, those, those wonderful water lilies come out of mud. Oh yeah. You know, and, uh, and sometimes you can see wonderful blooms come out of cracks in concrete. I mean, this is all I'm saying. I mean, this is a, uh, I'm trying to develop in a word, um, sort of a real world understanding that, you know, we don't need everything to be perfect to have faith. And I, I think sometimes, you know, our faith is a bit fragile and we get bought off uh, by unideal circumstances. I mean, I think about, you know, America right now. I think about, you know, we're not having a balanced conversation. Uh, we, we're bouncing from one, one lament to the other. And, and yes, our democracy is unideal right now. And yes, the, you know, the sort of bad news, the frequency and vibrancy of it is, is unideal and violence and it, uh, political inactivity on urgent issues is unideal. And yet, um, this country has never been ideal. Um, and, and we have always uh, uh, found a way, um, you know, to meet unideal situations uh, with uh, resilience and perseverance, uh, and even, I dare say, unity. Uh, and so, uh, and it has come through extraordinary people who have not been bought off uh, by all of our blemishes and all of our sort of warts, but who have decided to just persevere. And that is, uh, that is um, I mean, I think about uh, the fact that I could not have been the bishop of the diocese of the Episcopal Church, of any diocese in the Episcopal Church in the year that I was born, right? So not ancient history in my lifetime. And because of white and black uh, people uh, alike who understood that racism is a tragic lie, that diminishes both the white and the black and their perseverance and their faith, their faith agency. Uh, I and many others have, have given, have been afforded opportunities um, uh, to live out the truth of our calling. And so, you know, where would we be without women like this woman in the story who decided that uh, they would not uh, retreat because situations were not perfect? We're going to be right back after a short break. Hi, listeners. Thank you for listening to Four People, a space of digital evangelism. You can keep up with us on Instagram and Facebook at Bishop Rob Wright. And now back to Four People. Welcome back to Four People. Bishop, your poetic final sentence in your devotion is pretty fabulous. You say, funny how unideal circumstances are the anvil where ideal faith is forged. Pretty poetic and yet really potent. <laughs> uh, you know, sometimes I think we all, we all expect or we're quick to blame and shame others when, when circumstances aren't perfect. And yet, I, I like what you highlight here. It's like, if we didn't have that imperfect stuff, I don't know that faith would even be necessary. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and what is it? It's, it's, a, it's a radical, what is faith? A radical dependence on God in the real world, right? Um, and, and so, you know, I think that the unideal circumstances, uh, you know, can move over to the positive side of the ledger when we understand that that helps us to go deeper in faith and reliance on God, right? So the fact that things are out of my control, um, 
calls me into a deeper relationship with the God who controls all the worlds, right? And so, and so without that, I'm left to only my own devices. So I, I think what I love about this uh, faith agency, this balance of us co-laboring and co-creating with God is, is that I am called to my highest capacity. Um, you know, so God is making a soul out of me, a real mature soul out of me. Uh, and the way that God does that, and we can critique God if we want to, but uh, how God does that is not because everything is ideal and perfect, but b- actually because of the converse, right? So that's why you encounter these amazing people of faith who have caught hell all their lives. Now, I'm not being romantic about adversity and trauma and struggles, right? But I'm just saying that I have seen often, and I think many people have seen often, um, great faith come from really weird places, right? Places where we would say that person should have given up, or we would have given them permission to fall back, uh, or to, to, you know, really even to give in to despair. But nevertheless, you know, great faith. I mean, you meet it, you know, in the hospitals. You meet it in the children's cancer ward. Right, you meet it in the jail, right? You meet it, uh, meet it so many places, and it stands out like a bright light, and it's just extraordinary. And you know, Chaplain Bishop is is a woman uh, who is up at the the woman's prison uh, in uh, uh, in Alto, Georgia. And she's been working with women who have been incarcerated for decades. And when you encounter Chaplain Bishop, you encounter a bright light, joyful, always with a, you know, quick with a laugh, gives the best hugs in the world. I mean, there's something about that unideal situation, circumstance that somehow didn't tear her down, but built her up. She's seen women come in there. She's seen the same women's children come through those facilities. Uh, she's seen uh, suicide. She's seen, you know, you name it, she's seen it. And without, she's not glib. She's not superficial. Uh, she is, she has a real world understanding. She's no fool. She's awfully wise. And yet uh, there is a light in her that comes from her relationship to Jesus Christ in the middle of that mess. And it's just an extraordinary thing to behold and to experience. And what a great gift she gives these women right? Who are really at, you know, an inflection point in their life. They can choose to do differently and to do better, or they can choose to stay stuck where they are. And so, you know, we keep meeting these, you know, not only women in scripture, but we keep meeting these men and women in real life. And what they always do, at least in my opinion, in my experiences, what they do when I encounter them is they sort of spur me on. Mm -hmm. And they invite me to think about, you know, Perhaps what's missing with me, or perhaps, you know, what do they know that I need to know or I need to sort of focus on and center on? And so, you know, where does this woman go after she encounters Jesus, right? I mean, who does she benefit? Who does she bless? You know, it's just an extraordinary thought. And don't we want to be those people? I mean, the world is full of sad sacks. We don't need much more of that. We got, we're all sort of, we're all, the barn, the the barn's full of those, right? What we need is people who say, yeah, I see all the warts and. God is good. Man, God is real good. (laughs) 
Bishop, thank you so much. And listeners, we're grateful for you for listening to Four People. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Bishop Rob Wright. Please subscribe, leave a review, and we'll be back with you next week.